you're listening to Planet Pod, the podcast for everyone who cares about the planet. Hello and welcome to Planet Pod. I'm Amanda Carpenter. And I'm delighted to welcome back Steve, who's been away for a while, but he's back now. So, Steve, great to see you. How have you been? Tip top. And um, of course, I've got to come back for this show because it's all about the global goals. Yeah. So I have to be here. Yeah. Today, we're going global. Planet Pod does global goals. And for those of you who don't know, and there may be some of you listening who don't, the global goals are the Sustainable Development Goals. Um, and they were set by the UN back in 2015, running on from the Millennium Goals. And there's 17 of them, and there's 169 targets, and they've been ratified by 193 UN member states. So it's masses of numbers there but but what we want to do is look at how they're relevant to all of us today wherever you are big organization small organization just in your local community as an individual in your home so how can we make those sdgs a reality and meaningful and to help us navigate around these global goals i'm delighted to welcome two very experienced and knowledgeable guests both of whom have worked extensively in this field Louise Scott is Director of Global Sustainability at PwC, and she leads the firm's work in relation to the SDGs. Louise and her team are responsible for an excellent guide, which is the Bible, basically, on the SDGs, called Navigating the SDGs, a Business Guide to Engaging with the UN Global Goals. And I have a copy, very well thumbed, and I have to say it's really, really accessible and easy to read. So you don't have to be a big organisation to read it. So welcome, Louise. Hello. Our second guest today is Carolina Karlstrom, and she brings a really broad knowledge of sustainability, having worked in the sustainable energy sector and leading strategic change for over 20 years professionally. She's a regular blogger. And she brings a slightly different perspective on the SDGs, um, particularly because she leads this very successful meetup, which is a network group for smaller organisations who are looking at sustainability. And I want to talk to you about this specifically, actually, Carolina, because I read in your bio that you ran something called She Is Still Sustainable, That's an event it. for mid-career women in sustainability. And as I feel I might be mid-career or even mid-age, that's probably suitable for me. So welcome, Carolina. Thank you and hello. So before we get stuck in, um, regular listeners know that we always start with our good, the bad and the ugly slot. Steve, over to you. What have you got for us this week? Well, I've got one which is kind of global goals related. Um, and on World Environment Day, I was fortunate enough to meet um, Gail Galley, who is the founder of an amazing organisation called Project Everyone, who, whose job it is is to help communicate the global goals um, to everybody and around the world. And um, she's doing a tremendous job. Um, so that was good for me. But what I found last week was when I was presenting to an organisation called CNG, which is one of the UK's sort of biggest importers of natural gas, um, and they're 
sort of moving into renewable energy, I went to talk to them about sustainability. And when we spoke about the global goals, I said, can you just put your hand up if, if you know about the global goals? And, and everyone in the room put their hand up. And from a sort of a medium-sized organisation, said, how come do you know about the global goals? And, you know, everyone in the room. And said, well, actually, in fact, we've embedded the goals and we've got four teams working on four specific goals to help our company deliver against those. So it's a big up for CNG for knowing all about the goals and getting them cracking in their organisation. That's my... That's my good. Is that unusual, do you think, to go into a medium-sized business and find that everybody in the room has even heard of them, let alone be doing something? It, to be honest, it is. And so if there's a little bit of a bad, or it's a bit that we've got to work on, I think, um, is that you know when we present to organisations, we're talking to them about sustainability, um, maybe a third of the room might have heard about the global goals. And don't forget, I'm going into some companies that are new to this and some companies that are you know, sort of seasoned campaigners. But um, the, the awareness um, is growing, but it needs to grow faster. Yeah, so we've got some unpacking to do as well, haven't we, about the, the language and the context and the, the meaning of, of the SDGs, which is what we're going to do today. Carolina, you got one for us? Yes, I do. Um, it's something I read in a newsletter that I get on a regular basis called Eco Business. They tend to focus on SDGs in Asia, but it's really interesting articles that I would say are applicable everywhere. And it was an article about how empathy resides in each of us, and so does the capability to act. And that just deeply resonated with me, how we can all act and engage uh, in the SDGs and in, you know, whether it's climate action, food waste, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm sure we'll get into that more later. But that was just a very inspiring article to show that small actions can create, um, uh, have a big difference. Yeah, and I think that's really important in terms of the context of the SDGs, isn't it? Because, you know, those numbers that I shared at the beginning, you know, big numbers, lots of targets, basically international governments getting behind what is a major, we hope, um, sort of global change program. But actually, it's no good if we haven't got buy-in at, at a grassroots level from all of us. So, Louise, do you have a good, bad or ugly for us? I do. It's another good. Um, so one of the underlying principles um, across the goals is partnerships. And I was really captivated listening to last night's news and again this morning. Um, they were talking about a partnership between uh, Chester Zoo and some nuns in Mexico. And they're working to help preserve an extinct amphibian called the axolotl. Um, so the nuns have been working for many years on um, breeding the axolotls because they make a cough syrup from them. And the, the conservationists at Chester Zoo are, are harnessing that expertise from the nuns. Um, and the axolotls are being um, very near to extinction because of the effects of pollution and, and overfishing of the, the lakes that they live in in Mexico. So a really unusual partnership uh, making a difference to a really quite unusual amphibian that I I think you said you used to... They are super cool. If you don't know <laughs> what an axolotl is, just go out and get one. They are just the coolest creatures. We used to have one in the biology lab when I was at school, and nothing happened with it. It just used to hang about in this tank at the end of the room. And they have these amazing gills at the side of their heads that kind of flap, which have lots of sort of extra bits of growth on. But they are really, really cool. But one of the reasons they are is because they have a regenerating facility, don't they? Can They can grow their own limbs or I something? I think, yeah, if they lose a leg or a piece of brain, they were saying on the news, then it, <clears throat> excuse me, then it regenerates. So that's a really, really powerful 
a bit of DNA and, and you know, something to harness from the axolotls. I'm assuming the nuns don't kill the axolotls to make the cough syrup, do they? I think they just scrape stuff but off. They look like they, they scrape yeah, something yeah. from them and make yeah, a, yeah. a dark they, They've been doing liquid. it for years, haven't they? And yeah. what they found is when the scientists were looking around for the best way to stop this... Um, wonderful sort of creatures slipping into extinction. They found that the nuns were the people that had the best knowledge around over many decades of doing this. Um, and this sort of wonderful partnership between scientists and nuns and, you know, coming together over some common, you know, common goal, common purpose, but also some great knowledge. I thought it was yeah. a lovely story. If you haven't seen it, you should see it because I can't quite work out which is cooler. The nuns in their full kit with their habits and everything. Oh, the axolotls. I mean, they just... <laughs> It's just <laughs> gold dust, absolute gold dust. Well, I'm afraid I've got a bad, sorry guys, back to my usual story. Um, we have just had World Environment Day and as many people know, there's a big focus on plastic. Again, um, our great friend Sean, who's a friend of the pod, who leads A Plastic Planet, was out there trying to persuade us to have a plastic-free day. But just this week, they did an autopsy on a whale and discovered they had 18 pounds, 8 kilos in weight worth of plastic bags in its stomach. So we still got a really, really long way to go. So sorry about that. Lowering the tone, as usual. Anyway, let's get back to the SDGs. Not that we ever left them, really. Um, Louise, can I ask you to sort of kick off? Because they are global in nature, and a lot of the work that you've been doing with your team at PwC has been unpacking them and helping people get their heads around them. And unlike perhaps the Millennium Goals, they've appealed particularly because of the way they've been presented, haven't they? So they've got really fabulous iconography, fantastic sort of images that people can relate to. But can you just frame them a bit for us, give us some context and maybe just unpick what they really mean for people who might not be familiar? Yes, sure. And actually, we should thank the guys at Project Everyone because those amazing icons and the, the colourful images all came from them. And, and they had a goal to make the goals, um, every, every person on the planet to become aware of the goals. And so in making the catchy icons, I think they've really helped with that. Um, so I guess the key things about the goals are that they're unanimous. So they've been unanimously agreed by all the governments of the world. Um, and that's a big first. And, and that was a result of a two-year, really big, two-year consultation process that the UN ran, biggest ever consultation process, and they involve business and NGOs as well as governments. So they're unanimous. Uh, and there are 17 goals that are um, 17 challenges to be fixed or addressed by 2030. And what's different the, uh, compared to the MDGs, the MDGs were all about social issues, um, particularly in developing countries, whereas the SDGs are a mix of environmental, economic, and social, so the three pillars of sustainable development, um, and they apply equally to developed and developing countries. They have been described as the, the closest thing we have to a world strategy, so all the governments working to the same set of goals. Uh, and probably one aspect I'll, I'll finish on um, is that they are for governments to achieve, and that actually is something that we're trying to help business wrestle with because they are written for governments, um, but there's a huge recognition that they can't be achieved without business help. So trying to engage business, encourage business to see the potential and the opportunity and the responsibility has been a key thing that we've been focusing on. So we've got 17 of them, mm -hmm. and they range from things like ending world poverty to looking at you know climate change, quality of water, that sort of thing. 
what about those targets that sit underneath them? Because, you know, I think I said there were 169 or something. How do they work? Are they governmental or are they more for organisations and individuals in communities? Well, actually, the the targets have been written for the government. So um, for each goal, there's a set of targets. And actually, underneath that, there's a set of indicators. And it's the indicators that are what is actually going to get measured. So there's 232 indicators that have been agreed by a set of statisticians um, in collaboration. So international statisticians get together to work out the indicators. And then the indicators will get measured to see if the targets have been achieved. There's typically about three to five targets for each SDG. And, and actually, when you're trying to engage with the goals, it's it's much, much better to look below that goal level at the target to really start to understand what the goal is trying to achieve. So what would an indicator look like? What kind of thing are they measuring? So if you were looking at no poverty, um, the, the goal is no poverty. The target, one of the targets is that no one's living below $1.90 a day. And then the indicator is the number of people that live on less than $1.90 a day. So it's it's what could actually be measured to understand whether the target's been met to then see if the goal has been achieved. So quite simple, aren't they? Quite easy to get your head around, Steve. Well, that's what I was going to say. So this is sort of, um, uh, on one level, it's really easy for people to understand a whole sort of series of massive issues, isn't it? Um, what I was quite interested in is, do you f- think that it's e- is this making it easy for organisations, businesses to then contribute? Because there's some sort of business speak here as well, isn't there? Like companies understand targets and they understand indicators or key performance indicators. Yeah, do you, I think there's always been that? that adage of what gets measured gets done. Uh, so I, th- they have been, lots of people say they're complicated, but when you actually start to, to read them and look at them, I, I think... What, what's great is they're all in one place. They're a framework that is understandable. Um, they're government's goals, but you can, when you start to unpack and look at the targets, you can realise what it is, what actions you could take that, that could help to achieve that target. That's it. So, and, you know, sustainability is a very broad thing, isn't it? So this framework is, would, would appear to me to be quite a good place for companies to engage because it sort of simplifies it. So... Um, when I look at the goals and the, you know, even from the iconography and the design of them, they're very accessible. And then you've only got two or three layers down and you're straight into what action can I take? Is that your experience of how companies are engaging? That's right. And I think what's great about them is for the first time you've got that common language. So everybody's talking yeah. the same language. And if people want to be focusing on one goal or another, it's the same goal. So it's that same blueprint for everyone in the world. And, and actually, we're, we're finding that just in our teams, working in our teams across across the world, that we're all talking the same language about the same set of goals. And, and so the, the sharing and as we're developing things, then that then it's, it's easier to work together because we're talking the same language. Sorry, Carolina, did you uh, want to... Yeah, no, I just wanted to add that um, uh, it's interesting to hear you talk and when you say that, that when you dig down to it, how you can act. I'm coming back to that action uh, for the individual because the individual obviously also works in an organization or, well, often anyway. Um, So each and every one of us can bring that to the businesses where we are working and highlight these things if it's not on the agenda of the organization, whatever size of the company. Yeah, and I think that what really strikes me about them, and we will put the... um, a picture of them on the website because if people haven't seen them they should 
really look at them because they are very appealing. I mean, the images that Project Everyone and the other group that were responsible for communicating have made them very accessible. So, so from an individual perspective, you can get your head around them quite quickly because everybody knows, look, what, $1.98, was it? $1.90. That's actually. not a lot. That's less than a cup of coffee for most people in, in, in the developing world. So that's, you know, that's not a lot of money. So everybody knows that you can't live on $1.90 a day. But people are, presumably, because that's why it's been set there. What's interesting is actually there's 7 billion people on the planet and just under 1 billion of them live on less than $1.90 a day. So it's okay. one-seventh of the people on the planet live on that little amount which is i think it's unimaginable for us totally shocking actually but that's why they're so strong and powerful isn't it because they've got those really clear messages attached to them louise are you finding resistance amongst any of the businesses you work with i mean people saying yeah great but this is the un and we know we've got to do it but actually that's not our primary responsibility we're a business we make money we employ people we're not really interested in this I think there's a little bit of that, but actually what we're trying to do is to make people understand why it does matter for business and what the implications for business are. Um, There's something about business needing to rely on a stable environment, a stable workforce, um, security of supply of all the raw materials they need. So they they need that stability. Um, And there's lots of other good reasons. So there's lots of research about the business opportunity uh, an organisation called the Business and Sustainable Development Commission uh, did a lot of work to try and sort of put a size on the business opportunity. And they came up with a figure of $12 trillion a year by 2030. So the end point for the goals is 2030. So they've sized a huge business opportunity. And that's from creating the solutions, the technology, um, cost savings from rethinking things, doing things differently. So huge business opportunity um then there's also the point that governments in in needing to achieve the goals then governments are going to need to put in place regulations tax incentives and so if if you can be ahead of the curve on that and anticipate it then it, it won't adversely affect you and if you can have a strategy that's in line with what business uh, what government's trying to achieve then then that license to operate that positive environment for you will will continue so when you start to make the business case and start to bring out some of the points like that, then then I think that that gets people's attention much more. Does that sort of um, so? Let's say some people in, a, in an organisation who's listening to this podcast and they're saying, okay, well, you know, I'm aware that you know we can contribute, um, but they might be confused about where where they should contribute. The 17 goals um, should they do them all? Should they pick some? What's the sort of what sort of tips would you give to them about where they should focus their efforts so we are actually encouraging people to think about how they prioritize and the way that we're looking about at that particularly if we're talking to international companies uh, is to think about the context of the country that you're operating in so where you are which are the issues that are performing the worst so we've done quite a lot of work around in each country which goals are performing better or worse and um, encouraging people to focus on those 
there's also a lot about stakeholders, what your stakeholders care about. So um, an example, an Italian company, Ital Cementi, uh, they, they did a big stakeholder engagement process with all of their middle managers to find out what they cared about, where they thought there was opportunity, where they could have greatest impact. And that's that's what they've used to, um, to direct what their priorities should be. Um, and there's also a little bit about, well, actually, what skills have you got? What what products, what services, what do you care about? So there's a number of different lenses with which you can look to, to think about which ones you can prioritise. So isn't that really a fantastic opportunity to engage with your stakeholders? Because Absolutely. you can reach out to yeah. staff, uh, key suppliers, uh, community, etc., and ask them... Yeah, so I think they're a they're a brilliant organising idea. So they're that blueprint for the world, yeah. um, but a, a way of absolutely engaging employees, stakeholders about things that really matter. Yeah, yeah. And I think particularly for younger employees, that these things they they really really care about and they mm. that matters to them. Yeah, you described it as a global strategy, if you like, a global mm. blueprint for the world. But actually, it's very, very individual and personal, isn't it? And Carolina, that's where you come into this as a, a conversation in part, isn't it? Because a lot of the work you're doing with the with the network yep. meetup platform is for smaller businesses and for perhaps individuals and yep. entrepreneurs who are engaging a completely different level. Tell us how that's working and what your kind of take-up's been. So what we're doing with the SDG Network Meetup is that we hold um, events or gatherings on a regular basis where we invite um, individuals, um, small companies, entrepreneurs, as you said, uh, charities, to come and talk about what they do, uh, what inspires them and their actions towards the Sustainable Development Goals. So at these events, they act as an inspiration to people that come and listen. Um, they also obviously educate about educate about the goals, what sustainability is, and uh, and inspires action. And it's an opportunity to connect people as well, to because you just don't know who you're going to meet at these events, and they could be people from all kinds of organizations and different sectors, etc. So it's an opportunity then for get together and, and talk and connect and come up with new ideas for collaboration, which is SDG 17. Yeah, and do you find that um, that actually individuals can relate fairly quickly to the goals as you know in, from a very personal perspective because you were saying earlier about the issue of you know us being collectively responsible yeah. and having empathy so they're working for businesses that may not be global and yeah. international and yeah uh, quite often they do and, and we really try to bring it down on a personal level we uh, towards the end of a meetup we try to have a few action takeaways that people in the room can do you know today tomorrow when, when they go about their daily lives. And what kind of things do people pick up on? Because, I mean, I guess we'd all want to, you know, end poverty. I mean, that's a kind of given, isn't it? And and, But it's quite difficult to see how you could do that as part of your daily life if you don't happen to work in an NGO that's yeah. working in the developing world or in, you're not working with an outreach organisation looking at poverty in the yeah. UK, for example. So which sort of things do they pick up on and what kind of actions do your you know, the, your members of your group take away and what sort of things have they said they'll do? Yeah, so we've had a lot of focus on, on SDG 12, which is responsible consumption and production. 
also around uh, zero hunger and food waste, actually. Um, so, for example, in relation to food waste, um, we had a speaker once. Um, it was a, a person, a very engaging woman called Anna Pitt, who had written a book called Leftover Pie, and um, where she shares her ideas of what you can do with your food waste. And uh, an example, uh, you have cauliflower, and you can actually use the stem of the cauliflower as well when you're cooking. It's not something that you have to throw away, even if it's for compost. So it's those little things and other things that when you go to your coffee shop, why not ask the barista what they're doing with the coffee grounds? Mm. Uh, because as consumers as well, we have a great power to shout out and to ask things and question things. And even on social media these days, you can really do that and it can reach a wide audience when you're, if you're questioning things that you see talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly. If you see the bad and the ugly stuff, you can really highlight that on social media. Um, I have never seen it myself, but the stupid things like bananas in plastic packaging. Mm. Yeah. Example. Well, we're really passionate about food waste on the pod. <laughs> a lot of time talking about it. And, you know, we had someone here from the Skip Garden recently, and they run a big food education um, and waste project encouraging people to use stuff that's getting close to or gone past its best by date but it's fantastic to think that just doing something that makes good sense good you know food sense in terms of not wasting food actually would allow us to achieve a, a global goal we were going to feel better about ourselves as a result of saying not only am I not wasting cauliflower I'm actually meeting a UN sustainable development goal yeah. I mean it's taken a bit far at least <laughs> do you think we might be pushing it a tiny bit well, I think every little every little thing makes a difference. And if we were all doing a few little things, that would make a ma massive difference. And I think there's something about, you know, I don't think we will achieve every single target of every single goal. But actually, if we achieve even half of them, then that would make a massive difference. And and that was the, the, with the MDGs. They didn't achieve every, every goal they set out to. But I think they had 40% um, less deaths from malaria, more children going to school, lots of people with more water and sanitation. They did halve extreme poverty. So just by having those goals and, and having a focus, then it does spur action. So I think every little bit counts. Is there and a question for, for both of you, really? Because um, is there a piece about how you report your actions, though, that help you? Everything is focusing up into this sort of cumulative impact. So we're talking about a whole bunch of small actions make a massive, massive difference. Um, so the question of your coffee shop and where their coffee grounds go is really, really important because that one question could prompt an action from the coffee shop, couldn't it? But um, if you're the coffee shop, for instance, how an, or, or, no, or any organisation that's saying, right, going to commit to the goals, is there an important way that they can then communicate that so that their actions could be, you know, counted in this sort of cumulative impact? I suppose it's a question for both of you, really, from an SME perspective and also from a corporate perspective. Perhaps you can take corporates first. Yeah, so I think from a corporate perspective, we are, we're encouraging companies to report what they're doing on the SDGs. Uh, but therein lies a problem of how do they go about doing that. There's quite a lot of initiatives at the moment trying to help um, set out guidance for companies on how they should report on the SDGs. Uh, the United Nations Global Compact, which is the business-facing arm of the UN, are working with organisations like the Global Reporting Initiative. And actually last September, they, they launched a very detailed guide going target by target, 
setting out what the business actions could be and a detailed list of disclosures for reporting, linking to some of the common sustainability reporting standards like GRI, like CDP. So there's guidance out there for some of the actions and then the disclosures. Um, so yes, I think if companies start reporting, then that's pushing the whole area of transparency and comparability. Um, there's other um, initiatives. There's the something called the World Benchmarking Alliance, and they're looking at taking the top 100 companies and um, assessing each of them on how they're performing on the goals. So I think there's an element if companies aren't doing them themselves, there's going to be some other external organisations that are going to be looking to grade people's performance anyway. That's Which I think the, the whole point of transparency now, even if you don't um, tell people about what you're doing, then people are going to discover and look and grade it for themselves. Yeah, what's in the public domain will then might be a ranking system for you. It would be slightly embarrassing if you're at the very bottom of that league. Absolutely. You're listening to Planet Pod, brought to you by Akil Management and the Planet Mark. Do get in touch with us. You can tweet at planet underscore pod or visit the website theplanetpod.com where you can subscribe to the pod and download earlier episodes. Welcome back. We're talking about the global goals and we've just been discussing the difference between corporate and small business. And Carolina, you were going to respond to Steve about the how a small business reports back and measures and can feed back into that bigger conversation because the sort of things that Louise has been describing are actually big governmental you know reporting systems and benchmarking what about the the smaller end of the perspective that is a very good question and I think it's a challenge for small businesses because um once they find that oh have we got the time and resource to engage with the SDGs in the first place and then if you would also say on top of that, and now you have to report on it, they might go even more, ah, how am I going to do that? Um, because following something like ERI, for example, Global Reporting Initiative, it, it takes resource to do that. Um, so is there an issue here for bigger businesses? Should we be saying to those larger corporates who possibly have more resources, make it possible for the smaller um, businesses and the you know the the individuals working at a, a more local level to feed back into that global conversation or even that national conversation is that something that we should be asking of them we're seeing that a bit you know with the work that we're doing with the planet mark so um, part of this is making it easier for small and medium-sized businesses and also it's really interesting the entrepreneurs piece which i'll come back to you in a minute but if you're running an organization i think that in the smaller end of the scale you haven't got a dedicated resource for this stuff. So um, what what we're keen to do is, is stop an organisation just putting a tick on a global goal saying we're doing it, which is a great start. But if you can get beyond that and having some sort of evidence-based reporting against it, we think that's really valuable. And what's great for an SME, I think, as soon as they start doing that, they can then give it to um, their customer. Now, their customer might be a bigger organisation and they can then demonstrate, hey, we've got a supply chain which is really engaged in the global goals, and then that is a way of capturing, I think, this sort of cumulative impact. But the measurement of it, I think, is really, really important for any size of organisation. Mm, yeah. I have to ask a question here, Steve. 
do you think the government's doing enough? Because I'm, I, I remember hearing at the, the conference that you ran, um, you know, in the early part of this year about the Global Goals, quite strong statements from some of our political leaders about there's a gap, I mean, a donut-sized hole, did Mary Cray call it, around what's happening in policy? I think, so, uh, the, uh, the answer to your question, the short answer is absolutely yes. Um, I think there are the, we, from a governmental perspective, which is where this this wonderful sort of stream down of action could really take place if we've got a government that's really committed and getting their shoulder behind these global goals. I think life will be much made much easier. Um, I suppose just from the stuff that we're seeing, um, from a business perspective, we know this is just good business sense. This is about good business, and any organisation of any size, shape, or form should be doing it anyway because they'll get a massive value from it. But if the government did it, I think we'd all happen a lot faster. Is that what your experience, Louise? Yeah, absolutely. It is absolutely good business sense. And I think if people in the UK are waiting for government to take the lead, then I think we'll be at 2030 before we really make progress. So, but a lot of other governments around the world are really embracing them, really taking it seriously. Um, governments like Finland, Germany, Colombia, Nigeria, all sorts of sort of governments you might not expect to be really embracing the goals really are and are really pushing it. So there is actually, a, there's a process of voluntary national reporting. So the different governments of the world report each year to the UN. And actually by the middle of this year, 112 of the 193 governments will have presented what's called a voluntary national review. Um, we've been working with a small organisation called the UK SSD, UK Stakeholders for Sustainable Development, and actually they, they've taken on a stakeholder-led process of creating that national review for the UK for this year because the UK government wasn't doing it itself. Um, and actually the UK government, since that's been announced, has said it will do one for 2019. So there is something about that sort of stakeholder-led pressure that has created a bit of action in the government. I think the UK government is is a bit distracted by things like Brexit and all sorts of other things. Um, but there's there's lots of pressure groups that are trying to raise awareness uh, that government needs to lead organisations. But it does come back to trying to raise awareness for business that actually doing things a bit differently, um, making those changes as into business as usual rather than being just sort of small um, CSR projects, mm. that will make the big, big difference. And it's, it's, it's an opportunity and a responsibility for them to do so. Mm. And Carolina, your network's really crucial to that, isn't it? Your SME, um, s smaller business network, because they can not only hold people to account because, you know, they've, the, the decision chain is often a lot shorter in a smaller in a small yeah. business. Um, but I think the idea of stakeholders holding the government to account is, yeah. is crucial, isn't it? And that's something that members of your group can do. Yeah, absolutely, they can, definitely. And uh, just wanted to add also that the importance of SMEs coming into this space because SME makes up, what, 99% of the UK economy, yeah. something like that. So even though it might seem like I'm just a small business, it, what does it matter? It does. 
it really really does and again you know all that thing with lots of little streams have adding up to a big river yeah uh, and i suggested that perhaps big business that could could help smes out but actually maybe the reverse is true and maybe there's some really good examples in the sme sector that we could hold up to larger businesses to say this is a way of doing it and that link between you know the bottom line and your actions is again so much shorter in an sme isn't it well, another place for that also, if you going okay pre pre SME, so you kind of got entrepreneurs and startups, and what corporates and we're you know and UK uh, PLC is desperate for is innovation, and people are innovating like mad in this space, aren't they? Um, and there's a lot of funding to help you know manifest that that uh, you know these new opportunities. So it's interesting in the number of entrepreneurs who are be turning up to to your meetup program because it might be easier to embed the, the okay. you know SDGs from the from the get-go yeah i think it is i don't have any statistics of uh, all our members um but for sure yes those those small organizations we had a number of them come and talk uh snacked for example i'm sure you might have heard of snack they're getting more and more traction on what they do which is creating um kind of uh, bars of um, um, what do you call them fruit bars etc from uh, food that otherwise would be thrown away Mm. And um, with, with biodegradable packaging. Yes, well. absolutely, yeah. exactly, yeah. that you can throw in yeah. a comment. So having, I guess, these startups, they have sustainability at their heart already. Yeah. So it's driving the business as mm. much as being an add-on, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. They really got that. And, and I guess that from a, a bigger business, it's a bit more challenge to bring that in. Um, I think actually there's lots of statistics now around that businesses with purpose grow more strongly. Um, uh, recently something called the uh, Morgan Stanley all company world index have they've they've launched a sustainable impact index and in order to make it into that index you had to have more than half of your revenue from products or services that would be aligned to achieving the SDGs um, so that's one of these these big indexes and uh, over 2017 when I looked at it, it that index performed three and a half percent better than um, the the normal all company world index. So things like that, things like uh, big business like Johnson and Johnson, I think for Method and um, mm. Ecova. So they're recognising that brands and things with a purpose are performing better. Yeah, they are because we're more, you know, I think we're more attuned now in our um, consumer behaviour because you talked mm. about consumers earlier, didn't you? To actually saying that I want something that mirrors my value set. Mm. And why wouldn't that be true of an organisation you work in? I mean, you don't just want to buy a good product that's sustainable. You want to work in an organisation that behaves in a way that's sustainable and ethical and actually mirrors your own value set as a person. That could possibly be a luxury in terms of you, where you choose to work if you can afford to make that choice. But I think it's driving more behaviour, isn't it? Don't you see that, Steve? Well, we, yeah, we kind of talk about it like a revolution, you know. So it's all around us all the time. Um, I was interested also, though, we talked a lot about business, but actually it comes down to, um, to and purpose. So purpose is where you might align with, you know, the purpose of, you know, the value set of an organisation, but it also might come down to the community where you live. Um, so what, you know, I'm just wondering about if you've got a, um, you know, a, a community area that your local community could adopt the, the global goals, which would be quite a fun thing to better do just where you choose to live. Um, or even your school, presumably, could also choose to adopt the global goals. Yeah, I think we need to try and encourage everybody to get engaged 
wherever they are, whatever their their circumstance and their walk of life. Um, there's a great example of that in Liverpool, Hub 2030, which is uh, David Connor, I think his name is, is pulling together all these businesses, organisation, NGO, etc., that are really focused on the SDGs, so, you know, 2030 there in the hub name, um, to bring them together in a physical space as well, um, and then, you know, to, to raise awareness and, and do work around this. And I know people who are wanting to replicate that here in London, which is really quite cool. Oh, that's brilliant. That would mm. be great. I mean, I think it's about bringing it alive, and uh, we've said it already, but the, the you know, the, just the iconography, the pictures, make it accessible to everybody whatever their age and there's some fantastic resources on the website as well aren't there around project everyone with some of those amazing films and you know the, the particularly the films by young women and ending violence towards women and beyonce and all those things an amazing resource that gets people engaged very quickly and once you're fired up you get pulled into understanding what they're all about and how they work yeah um and you know through everything that we're doing um we just want to raise awareness of them down in you know like a conversation around the dinner table um all the way through to everything we're doing at work i think that's sort of one of the things that we've got to do or you know my organization is keep pushing the fact that these are a great thing to tap into because it's a ready made ready available free resource that we all yeah. got to tap into Carolina. I have then to mention something else I saw uh, a few weeks ago, which was uh, for Terra, who had created, um, they've taken the sustainable development goals and they talked about the sustainable lifestyle goals. And all of these little icons, they actually refer to things that you can do personally as part of your lifestyle. And that was really, really inspirational from, from uh, an individual perspective, I think. Can you give us an example? Can you think of one? Um, there was I've put you on the one. spot now. Yeah, you did. Um, there was one. I can't. Remember. I can't take that one because I can't remember when it was. But it was really, there, there was one on eleven. Is sustainable cities and communities, and they'd actually turned that in to be welcoming and friendly towards people that you meet always, because oh, that's part of what makes up a sustainable city, right? Yeah. To say to be welcoming and friendly towards visitors or people that are new in your country etc yeah great why well, we should be doing that would you have a call to action louise are the things that from your perspective you'd like listeners to the pod to take away something they could do you know as a result of the conversation we've been having yes i think for for business they need to see that there's uh, there's a really good opportunity there as well as um, a responsibility and then i think for every individual to feel empowered to feel that they they have a voice um they have a voice as a consumer they have an, a voice as an employee and to to feel that there's something really interesting to get engaged with to understand and to uh, to put pressure wherever wherever they can on um uh, within their company uh, with the buying choices they make with some of their behaviors so that ev everyone can make a difference yeah, we've been using that word stakeholder, which I don't really like very much. But what we really mean is just people in their own everyday lives at work and at home taking, you know, decisions and, as you say, putting pressure on their employers and their suppliers and whoever else. Carolina, have you got one? Yes, um, it links a bit to what Louise said for sure. And I would say encourage people to go and have a look at them. They're not scary at all. And so have a look at them and pick perhaps 
two or so and decide that this is what I'm going to do over the next week and then tell people about it. Because if you told someone, you're much more likely to actually fulfill your, yeah. your own goal. Yeah, you don't have to do all 17 at once. No. It's okay no. <laughs> in succession yeah. or one or two at a time. Um, we'll put all of those resources on our website because they are fantastic. Steve, you've kind of given us your action, but go on quickly. Have you got a call to action? I'll do one more then, um, which is that we've been sitting around this table <coughs> talking, excuse me, about the global goals, but we've all been looking at a lovely, lovely chart that Louise brought in. So we keep pointing at these goals that you, you can't, can't see. you can't see, guys, sorry. So I would like everyone who's listened to this to go onto our website, pick up this beautiful table and take it back to somebody at work and say, let's get involved. Just yeah. do that one thing. Brilliant. You've been listening to Planet Pod. I'm hugely grateful to our guests, to Louise Scott from PwC and Carolina Karlstrom. Um, fascinating conversation. We didn't get time to talk about sustainability for mid-career women, mid-life women. That's probably another, an time. <laughs> another whole podcast to come. So thank you very much for joining us and for guiding us through this. Massive thank you, as always, to Jim, our producer, who is um, truly global in everything he does and without whom we would be lost. And our thanks, of course, to Breakthrough Funding because they make the pod possible and we are grateful for their support. Um, join us next time when we'll be talking about sustainable cities and green spaces and urban living. But for now, thanks for listening. Thank you.